Welcome to Listen In. My name is Stephanie Gates, and I want to invite you to listen in on conversations I have with my friends as we discuss engaging college students with the gospel. Morgan, thank you for sitting down with me. Why don't you quickly introduce yourself, uh, let everybody know what's your title and what it is that you do. Well, Stephanie, I appreciate uh, the time that you've given me to have this uh, conversation with you. Uh, my name is Morgan Malone, and I am the executive director, which is kind of a large title, honestly, for being a director of missions mm-hmm. for Denton Baptist Association. Our association is a network of diverse churches connecting together to share the gospel with all peoples. And we want to see that happen in three ways. Okay. One is to partner with churches to start churches to strengthen our churches that are part of our association. And then number three, to partner with churches in ministries that are evangelizing our area. And and really, that's where the BSM at UNT and both TWU fit into uh, that part of what our mission is. I love what I've been able to see with our association. I've been at it now almost 13 years. And I think what I continue to grow in appreciation for is just the opportunity for partnership, for churches to come together and to say, together, we can make a larger impact than if we just did this on our own. And I love that just as BSM. I get to witness that because we don't exist apart from the local church or really apart from the oversight of the association. And so I want you to know I appreciate all that this association does and the opportunities I think it provides for our churches to be better and to have a greater impact by us coming together. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I, yeah. You know, I, I guess it's a it's kind of a mutual benefit, though, mm-hmm. for us because I think that uh, you have uh, a lot to say to our uh, churches, uh, as well as Micah, because mm-hmm. both of you live in this environment mm-hmm. Uh, day in and day out. And both of you are interacting with students. And so who better to help us to understand how to reach college students than the BSM, a place that I grew up in, a place that's special to me as a college student. Uh, It was kind of the place where I hung out and got to participate in mission trips and summer missions and and it really helped my spiritual growth. And honestly, I want to see that come to pass here at UNT and and also at, at TWU. I want to see people's lives impacted and changed. And then through that, with our churches participating, they can experience that and then begin to investigate what they can do in their own environment to reach college students. That's obviously my hope. That's, that's why I do what I do, is I see the need of engaging college students with the gospel. I see the lack of gospel understanding. Every day I run into students who don't know Jesus and have no idea of like why they should even care. And on a campus here at UNT of over 38,000, my hope is that we're going to see God do amazing things as students come to know him and we have, we're able to have those conversations. And that only happens through the partnership of the local church coming in and joining us with what we're doing. And so I love getting to have those conversations with our local churches and to hopefully cast that vision of we have such a unique opportunity to invest into someone during such an important time in their life. 
we get four years that is really going to shape what's going to happen for the rest of their life. Mm. And I think that's just such a unique and strategic time that we get um, here, especially in Denton, when we have over 50 to 60,000 students that are here, that I think we have to answer to the Lord with how we steward that. Mm -hmm. And I specifically have to answer for how we steward UNT. And so that's constantly on my mind, is how do we do this and how do we do this better? And that kind of leads to the conversation I want us to have uh, you've already shared that your hope for the association is to to really help partner churches to engage our community with a gospel in one area that is within collegiate ministry. And so I want us to start with this question, and we're just going to see where our conversation goes. But Morgan, as our um, executive director, our DOM of Denton Baptist Association, why do you think our local churches need to care about college students? It's a great question. I, I think one of the leading reasons they ought to care for college students is because of the fact that college students, while it's cliche, it's true, they are the future mm -hmm. of the church. And unfortunately, what we tend to see is if you have engaged junior high and high school students, when they go off to college, there is a tendency that you lose those students. And I think, too, you would agree with the fact that a lot of studies today are telling us that not only is that an issue, but another issue is the fact that we have so many college students who have had little or no exposure to church. I mean, they, they never went, yeah. never came to, to church. So it's more than a hurdle. It's something almost that you've got to high jump over yeah. uh, to try and develop to use a term that you and I have talked about, to develop trust. Uh, when we see that for a lot of those students, for whatever reason, they've developed a distrust for the local church. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been eye-opening for me to kind of think through is what's caused that distrust uh, and why those students aren't coming. But yet the reality is they live in the community where our local churches are. You brought up a, a huge point of not only do we need to think about why we should invest in them, but we also need to think about why are they not there. Exactly. What, what has not happened or what is happening that is leading to this population, specifically college students, not being in our local churches? I work for the Baptist Young Convention of Texas, and statistically they would say that 95% of the students that are on a campus are not actively engaged in relationship with Jesus. And so for me at UNT, we have our enrollment in this last fall of 2018, enrollment was 38,154 students. So if I was to take that statistic and let's make it easier math, that means 35,000 students here on my campus are not actively engaged in a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm wrestling with why, what's happened? I've been here now 13 years. When I first met a student, they would walk into our building. We didn't have to do much to go out to them. They came to us. Over the years, that has been shifting. Now what I see is uh, research tells us, Barna would say, that this generation, Generation Z that is here today, our freshmen and our sophomores, they have less than a 4% biblical worldview. They have a distrust of any kind of authority, but especially ecclesiastical authority. And I think it's helpful for us to dive in and to recognize, okay, what's happening? Why is it happening? And what's shifting within culture? Now we're in what is called truly post-Christian culture. Mm. And I think we're seeing that. And as you've even uh, referenced, the students are not in church. 
a lot of them have never had an experience mm-hmm. in church. And what I have found, what used to be, I assumed everybody that I interacted with had some form of an understanding of the gospel or at least knew a little bit about Christianity has now shifted to where 13 years later on this campus, I assume everybody is not a Christian until they prove me wrong. See, and that's an interesting statement. I assume everybody is not a Christian. And I think you would probably say, or the most of them are antagonistic toward the church. Mm Which, honestly, you know, as a guy who pastored churches for 26 years, I always, I guess you would say I was naive, and I thought people had a positive feel for the church. They, they might say, I'm not going there, it's not meeting my needs, but they would not necessarily say that, it, that they had a distrust or it was so strong that they saw it as a danger. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw that in one of the pieces you shared with me in regard to uh, the worldview today Mm -hmm. of the postmodernist, and that is that the church is dangerous. Mm -hmm. When I read that statement, it kind of blew my mind, uh, and it's caused me to do some introspective thinking, even in regard to how I approach other other college students. Because to be honest with you, uh, one of the things that's always going through my mind is, uh, do you go to church anywhere? And yet the reality is, from our conversations that you and I have had, that can be just an immediate disconnect mm-hmm. because of how that student feels about the church. Yeah. And, I, and I'd never really thought about that uh, until you and I had that conversation just a few weeks ago. It's really helpful to be able to, I think, recognize things are just different now. And uh, the book that you and I have talked a lot about is called I Once Was Lost. It talks about the five thresholds of postmodern conversion. They've talked with over 2,000 college students who um, came in as non-believers but left as Christians and basically said, tell us about your experience. And that first threshold that someone has to, to cross is to go from distrust to trust. And I think... You just brought up that point. We automatically assume that they just trust us. Because in the past, culturally, the church was seen as trustworthy and a direct influence to culture. Yes. And so in my lifetime, as just a 38-year-old, I remember even when I was in seminary and when I was in high school and even, I guess, college, so it was 18 to 25, it was beneficial to attend church. It was um, you built your network, your community, like you're – it was expected for you to be a part of church here in Texas. And now I've seen how that has shifted. That's just no longer the case. And I think we have to be, we have to, as Christian leaders, start to wrestle with why. So what, to, what happened for us to go from being a main influencer of culture to now being almost in some way seen as irrelevant or conflicting with culture? Um, and I think that's, that's a really hard thing for us to, to wrestle with. Would you agree? I would say, you know, of course, I'm the eternal optimist. I, I, I would say that by identifying the problem and the issue, it helps us to have a better point to start from. And I think you would agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think back to a guy named Engel who developed what he called the Engel scale. And, and, it, and it was basically a, a line graph that had negative and positive numbers on it, and the zero was when that person trusted Christ. And I I think back to the fact that when I grew up, 
50 years ago, most people had been exposed to church in some form or fashion. They went to uh, they went to church at Christmas. They went at Easter. They probably went to a thing called Vacation Bible mm -hmm. School uh, in the summer. So they had a little bit of biblical knowledge. And yet the reality today is we come in contact more and more with people who haven't, and particularly college students today mm -hmm. that we're you know talking about. Uh, they, they may have had no uh, religious experience at all, and so all they know about the church is is the negative publicity that's that they've read about so so they start further away uh on that negative side uh than you or i did when we were younger and so the reality is we just have to identify that own it uh, and recognize that it is a process it is a relationship uh and and so we've got to just we've either got to do one of two things we've either got to accept it and, and recognize it's a process, or I guess the other scenario is we could do the proverbial bury our head in the sand and assume that we can do things the way we've always done. Yeah. Uh, and it's just not gonna work. Yeah. The reality can feel very scary and overwhelming. And just and that's where we're so busy already with what we're doing and the idea of I need to think about something or even think about, okay, we don't engage students. How do we do it? Oh, now there's this whole other component of culture is different. And so I think, yeah, our natural tendency is we want to just bury our heads. But I think what excites me is that you were even saying so many students just have no experience. And mm -hmm. so we get to step in and be that first representative of what uh, it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. I get to do that pretty regularly just through my interactions with students. And sometimes it's fun to even get to be the one that proves them wrong. For me to come in and to love them well, to get to know them, to invest really well, to go to where they are, and then you get to see their paradigm just being blown up of, I've said this, or I've done this, or this is how I live my life, but that has not changed the way you see me. I get to play that role that is just really unique, and just by living life with them, I'm getting to point them to just gospel truths. They're getting to see the love of Jesus, and they do ask me questions. They're like, wait, can I ask you about this, or what, do you, what about this? And I think if we, if our people in our local churches could start to understand the context that's changed, but what hasn't is the same thing that we're seeing happening through the book of Acts, as Paul is going out to all these different uh, towns and communities. In Acts 17, it says that these men turned the world upside down, and they did it by their intentional investment, going in sometimes alone or in small groups, and just getting to know the people, investing really well, telling them about Jesus, having those conversations. Literally, it says that they turned the world upside down. And I think that's where we are right now, is we get that same opportunity to step into this college student space and by living life and being intentional, one of the things I always say, it's all about proximity, presence, and patience. If I can get around them, first got to figure out where they are, <laughs> get right. around them, uh, and just start to learn. I, I call that, that's the recon phase. I want to get in and just start to build relationships and to learn more about your life, removing my expectations. And so I, you know I work with the women's basketball team at UNT. I grew up playing sports, specifically basketball. I thought I knew everything there was to know about being a basketball player. And then I stepped into this world and I realized really quickly I had no context for their experience. I didn't know what it was like to have to play at this level, the amount of preparation, the amount of time, how little control they have over their lives and their schedules. 
the amount of stress that is put upon them. People only want them because of the what they provide to the university. They're viewed as, in a lot of ways, possessions instead of students and people. Mm-hmm. And so my first year with them was so much of just like, I call it, like I said, recon. I'm just trying to learn your world. And to do that, I made the decision I'm never going to ask you for something. Because I wanted them to know I'm not here because you're viewed as a possible celebrity on campus, but I'm here because I want to get to know you and how can I invest in you. And it took time, like I said, a year to start to build trust. And I've been with them now for four years. And I've been able to see how um, just being where they are and then the next presence investing really well and just figuring out okay how do I love you well how do I walk with you when your life blows up you got injured or even showing up every week to practice sitting in the training room and just talking to you when they're getting their ankles taped the girls that never would have wanted to have a conversation with me because of the stigma of Stephanie BSM director now are sitting there showing me YouTube videos and talking to me about their families while they're getting their ankles taped. And then they're not leaving when they're done. They're coming and sitting next to me. And they're asking me more questions. To this opportunity, just the last one is patience. It takes time. We want to see that instant. Someone walked into our church. They heard the gospel at the service. And then they got, they accepted Jesus. And then they're getting baptized. We want to see all of that happen within a Sunday or a, a month. And what I have found is sometimes it takes a year or two or three of just stepping in, living life well with them and letting them see how a relationship with Jesus changes us and changes the way we love people. Uh, And letting them ask those questions, letting them know there's nothing you can say that's going to offend me. Uh, Letting, understanding that they don't know Jesus yet. And that means that my conversations look different. That means that I'm in some ways more intentional with the way that I love them. uh, Because I wanna get that opportunity to get to tell them about Jesus. Uh, And so that's shifted the way I view uh, engaging students with the gospel. It's no longer just walking to the BSM. Now it's how do I get to where you are? It's no longer thinking I just get to build on what they already know when it, when it comes to what the Bible says and spiritual disciplines and basic theology. Now it's recognizing they probably don't know any of that. And how can I patiently walk with you? How can we dive into, like, let me teach you how to study the Bible. What does that look like? Um, and for me, once I started to see how things have changed, ministry shifted from I just get to disciple to I'm getting to go and be literally an ambassador of reconciliation, telling people about Jesus, and then taking the Christian students with. So now they're wanting to do the same thing on our campus. And so I think there's some unique opportunities where we get to step into our community and recognize I, get, I might get to be the first actual representation of what it, what it looks like to have a life transformed by the gospel that someone might en- uh, encounter. And I think that, to me, while at times it feels overwhelming, it's also really exciting to know that God could use us in that way. What do you think about that? Well, I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, as you were talking, one of the things that came to my mind was if I'm pastoring a local church, I need to recognize a couple of things. And one of those is this age group of person does exist in my community. Whether our church reaches out to them or not, they exist. And I need to recognize that. I think secondly, and, and I think you've done a great job of explaining it, 
most of those, 95% of them, probably have little or no religious background. Third, this is a lot longer process. It isn't the fact that I get to know them, I invite them to church, they come to church, they hear the gospel, they accept Christ, we baptize them, we disciple them. That's the minority is, what's, is, is the reality today. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about a longer investment of time given our context and where our culture is today. But the other side of the coin is what an opportunity because you can begin to see how God can transform and change that individual. And, you know, so at the very least, we would hope that that local church would begin to do exactly what you're suggesting, and that is begin to do some reconnaissance, that they would begin to go out into the area, or at least if they, if they have someone in their church who is that age, just ask them, where are the college students hanging out? Where, where are these young adults? And, and how can we get to know them yeah. uh, and, and going on their turf? And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's a key part of it. In the past it was, you come to our turf, now it is, you, ought to, you go to their turf, and the reality is that's what the gospel is about. As you go, make disciples of all nations. So as I'm going wherever, I would be open to that opportunity to offer uh, a witness of the gospel, knowing that it's going to take a while, knowing that it's building that relationship, knowing that it's probably a deficit situation, knowing that there's distrust, and that by me investing in them, just like you've invested in the students here and the basketball team, you've been able to develop that trust so that you've been able to create that curiosity about Jesus Christ. There's something magical that happens. When you're getting to walk with someone as they're starting to ask questions, you're getting to share the gospel. I have found that there's nothing that stirs my affections for the Lord more than when I'm getting to walk with someone as they're starting to get curious. As I'm getting to have those conversations, um, that literally is reminding me of what God has done in my life. And now I'm getting to share that with somebody else and I'm seeing that happen. It's just such a unique opportunity that um, we get to be a part of that really, I think, can it's revitalized me in ministry. It's taken what was so focused on, um, we have to do this event, i got to get ready for this, and the administrative side, uh, which is necessary. We have to do those things. But then when this became a, a regular occurrence, a priority, ministry became fun again. And I got to really start to see the Lord move and work in some ways that I hadn't seen in a long time. And that was within a really hard context. That would be really easy to dismiss and to say, why should I worry about that? They're not going to come or this isn't going to work. Um, and just me recognizing that that was sin on my part to dismiss certain populations mm. within my community just because it felt too hard. Yeah, uh, I don't... As the BSM director at UNT, I don't get to dismiss any student. And I think as church leaders, we have to recognize that we don't get to dismiss our community as well. That's an excellent point. Uh, I, 
And, and I can remember, you know, honestly, as a pastor saying, okay, our, our church wants to reach younger families in the community. And I saw a real value in that because the majority of our population was married. The reality today is, statistically speaking, uh, we're finding that more and more people are single. And we're finding that they're choosing to get married later in life. Uh, than they did in the past. I mean, right now that age is somewhere between 26 to 27. You're telling me earlier today it may be as high as 30 uh, in the next few years. So if I'm preaching sermons and I'm using illustrations that only focus on the family, I'm missing missing an opportunity to minister to uh, a a large segment that continues to grow. Mm Mm-hmm. A segment that needs the gospel. So if I'm compelled or I believe all of what God's word says, then I am to be reaching all peoples. And that includes this demographic that's growing. Yeah, you're right. With college students and singles, uh, statistically right now, Barna has released in their Gen Z resource, they talk about how this generation, the largest one we have ever seen, Generation Z, born in 1990 through 2015, there are 69 to 70 million of them. And in their research, what they're finding is they're saying that their biggest goal, their biggest priority is to become financially stable by the time they're 30. So that's a mm. big shift. I mean, when I was, I went off to college, it was to be financially stable by the time I was 22. Right. Like, I'm off the parents' payroll. You got that right. So now yeah. that idea has shifted where I want to be financially stable by the time I'm 30. I think that's in response to what they've seen happen with their millennial brother and sister. But that's a whole other conversation. But in response to that, they're saying that means I'm not even thinking about marriage until I'm past 30. And so if our ministries and our church structure is primarily focused upon uh, young families, family ministry, children's ministry, then I think we're going to continue to not only miss a population, we're going to be missing a growing population. Mm. And so we've got to think through what does that look like for us to, to think, okay, what is the experience when a college student or maybe an older single walks in? As my experience as a 38-year-old single, when I walk into a church, I will, and I, I visit a lot of them just with the nature of my job. And so I, I tend to look around and say, is there anyone that looks like me? Uh, and most of the time, Sadly, it's no. I'll come in and I'll say, I'm listening to the sermon illustrations. There was never anything. It's like I'm having to translate. Okay, you used a family marriage illustration. What does that look like in my life? I look at their small groups and the Sunday school classes that that they have to offer, and I don't always fit into any of them. Mm -hmm. And then when you ask questions to be told, well, we don't really have a place, but I guess you could do this. And so then to realize that, okay, I don't think you've thought about me. I think we've got to just do a better job of to think through when a student comes, when a single comes, what is their experience like? Have we thought about them? And what could it look like for us to say, not only do we want you here, because I think we all want them in our churches. We all want to have the opportunity to have them join, but we don't get to just wait until they come to figure it out. Mm. If we wait, then you've waited too long. They're going to show up and say, you don't want me here. And then they're not going to come back. And so what if we did some of that work before they even showed up? Where we have a plan in place. We might not have college students or singles, but we at least know, okay. I talked with one church, and they said, we want to start a Sunday school class. And I said, okay, 
I want you to commit to have people ready to lead for a year, even though no one might not show up. But you're going to spend that hour praying that students will come. It's like, what could happen? If they were saying, we're going to be praying, we're going to be ready, and we're going to trust that the Lord is going to bring someone. Even in that, as they're praying, then I think your heart starts to shift to say, we really want to figure out, okay, where are they? How can we then go and get to know them? And so I just think that we need to not only say we want them, but we need to think about what does that look like to display that we want you here? What is your place? How do you fit in? Um, And how can we best recognize that there are some shifts that are happening that are just going to continue, I think, to get even larger? You bring up an excellent point uh, in, in that regard as I think about prayer. It reminded me of uh, a workbook that we, that we did in the 90s. That's, that seems like just yesterday, mm-hmm. but it's a while back. But it was, it was in the material called Experiencing God. It yeah. was written by Henry Blackaby. And one of the things that they talked about was an illustration of how they wanted to reach college students. And they had been trying to do things, but then Blackaby came back and said, okay, let's pray and let's wait for God to provide an opportunity that he's involved in. And and I think that's one of the things we have to remember is that the Holy Spirit is already at work and it's our responsibility to be available and sensitive when he gives us that opportunity. And in that particular case, as you recall, uh, they prayed that prayer, and then that week they identified five to six students that were already studying the Word of God, but they didn't have anybody to lead them. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to think about, yeah. but yet it's, it's true. And, and, and I, would, I would say that that same God, that same Holy Spirit, who did that honestly back in the 80s, would be doing that even today, and that within our given communities and contexts, there would be people that God's already working with. And, and so prayer would need to be, yeah. obviously, that first, yeah. that first part. Uh, and as we get serious about that, as God changes our heart, then we become more sensitive to folks that He is already working with mm-hmm. and wants us to reach out to. I think... You're completely right. Like when we pray and we're starting to think through what could this look like, I think it's great to recognize it's going to look a little different for every church. Sure. And yeah, no so question. So for you to figure out what does this look like for us to be obedient to engage this population, this demographic. Um, I think what I have seen is we try to mirror what someone else is doing really well, and that just doesn't fit with who what we're already doing or maybe uh, what obedience looks like for us. And so I think... We know we're supposed to engage. We know we're supposed to go and take the gospel out. But the way we get to do it can look a little bit different. And so maybe that's if your church has a home group structure, you're thinking through, okay, what could it look like for us to have a home group specifically for this demographic? Or maybe Sunday school. Or maybe you're saying, okay, we love international students. And international missions has been a big part of what we do. And so, wait, UNT has sometimes over three to 6,000 internationals. So we could go partner and do conversation partners, or we could uh, host an international student for a Thanksgiving meal, to even to the point where um, a lot of times I've found when I've talked to what I think the greatest need that is missing within our local church is one-on-one discipleship of college students. Um, and research shows 
that if they're going to study the Bible, that's how they want to do it. I think if we could even see some more uh, older Christians just recognize, like, I have a unique opportunity to invite someone into my life and then just give them a chance to see what is it like to, for me to follow the Lord. And that feels big and scary and like a huge commitment. But honestly, it could literally just be come have dinner with me and let's just talk about what God's doing in your life. Um, and I think figuring out what could this look like within our context, within our community, um, and within what is the heartbeat of our church? What are the things that everybody is really passionate about? Um, and I think if we could start to think about it from those perspectives, um, it's just going to provide some great opportunities for us to each step into those spaces um, and just some unique obedience. Uh, and I think we're going to, we would get to see the, the Lord do some great work. I think you're right. I, and, and I appreciate the fact that, that you're saying that what comes of this may not be the same thing as what some other churches mm -hmm. are doing. And we shouldn't expect to have a collegiate ministry that rivals everything else we do. But we need to understand God calls us to reach all peoples. We need to be doing something. And we need to recognize it has to be, our focus has to be expanded to not just include one certain, one certain group. And so we need to include the single, uh, the young single, the college student in, in that mix. And we need to figure out how God wants to develop that ministry uh, at the local church. And as we would continue to say, at the BSM as, you know, a place where there are a lot of college students. And, you know, obviously one of the things we hadn't even brought it up is the fact that we want to see BSM work going on at our uh, local uh junior colleges, uh, our two-year schools. And so that becomes another another goal of what we're trying to do uh, is to be able to reach that student on their campus as well as where they live uh, in, our, in our local communities with our local churches. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because we're in a college town, we have a unique advantage. Our churches don't have to go far to figure out how do I get around students. All they do is call me call Micah, reach out and say, what would it look like for us to get around students? And we will gladly be that bridge for you to the campus and to help think through what could that look like? What are some ways we can partner together? What are some opportunities that we can provide for you um, to be with students? And I think it's important. I think we're going to see a shift of an increased enrollment within community colleges over the next five to ten years. Just based on research uh, specifically that I'm seeing when it comes to this next generation. Um, I think there will always be a need for us to be on our state and our larger campuses, but I don't think we're going to see the same number of students pursuing education this way. And so we have to be prepared to say if more students are at community college or honestly Barn is projecting that more students are going to are are going to decide instead of doing the traditional route of education I would rather just go get a certification or go through trade school or something that I can basically start making money right away in response to them seeing their brother and sister who was a millennial go to school for four or five years have all of this debt and they couldn't find a job and I think that's what's led to this fear of financial security and I need to live my life differently because I've seen how hard it's been for them 
Sure. And so with that in mind, if we think that BSM is the, is the best way to reach students, it's a way. It's a great way. But it is not the only way to engage. Like you're saying, our community colleges, we need to be there. But at the same time, what about those college age, those singles that are not on those campuses? What are we doing to engage them within our community? Sure. And I think if we could cast a vision, not only within our church staffs and just the structure of our church, but within our church communities to start to think through, who are the people in your life? Building relationships. With, I, I try to make my life one of being a regular. And what I mean by that is I go to the same restaurants because I want to build relationships with those people. I like that they know my name. I like that they know my no, my normal order. Uh, I've got a place here in Denton, a place in Fort Worth, where when I walk in and I take people with me, they want to meet my friends. They want to have those conversations. And what I have found is by being a regular, it earns me the right. Here in Denton, I've had the opportunity to talk about what I do. I've had the opportunity to talk with the waitresses about finding a local church and why they can. I've had the opportunity to meet needs, all by just showing up once or twice a week and eating a meal. Um, and so I think just starting to think through, if we can realize, like, just by being a regular, by being a parent sitting in the soccer stands next to another parent for however many weeks a season is, to serving in school, to, oh my goodness, I work with how many people at this job, and I don't even know your last name. Mm. Or I don't even know your family. I don't know anything about you. If we could start to see people and invest well, um, I think we will see drastic things happening within our city. Uh, just through intentionality, and recognizing that we've been called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. God has said, I've commissioned and sent you to these places. I've uniquely placed you there as my missionary. And as Christians, if we can grasp that and get excited about that, I think uh, the Lord would do amazing things in our city. And that excites me. That's what we're trying to teach our students. And my hope is, is when they graduate, that we're going to continue to see what they're learning and how they're viewing their time at UNT drastically change the trajectory of the rest of their life and how they live their life with intentionality impacting whatever local church they end up in yeah i would i would concur with you and you know i i think i think that would be would be our goal and mm -hmm. and, and i guess i would say too and I, and I think our local church leaders need to know this and mm -hmm. that is that if they want some help mm -hmm. in learning how to do a better job of reaching this age group that uh, that you would be willing to help them do that oh, yeah, absolutely and you would be willing to uh, walk with them uh, in in that process and honestly that's part of the beauty I think of partnering together uh, in this kind of endeavor uh, is that you do get individuals like yourself like Micah uh, and others who for lack of a better term, have become experts because you're in that environment every day. And, and we certainly, uh, as local leaders, would need that kind of help in reaching reaching people who fall into this category because, as you say, they are unreached mm -hmm. and they will continue to be unreached unless we do something to engage them. Yeah. Well, friend, thank you. You're welcome. I have one final question. Sure. And 
I know that you said at the beginning how God used um, BSM and did some great things in your life when you were in college. Would you just share a little bit about how your life, we just talked about why the church should care uh, about college students, uh, but how did God change your life when you were a student? That's a great, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I can't answer that question without answering it in regard to both my wife, Kathy, mm-hmm. and myself. Uh, because she would say to you that when she came to college, she was a Christian, but it was it was in college at the BSM where her the trajectory of her spiritual life really began to change. Uh, she would say to you that she started memorizing scripture. Uh, she started getting more serious about her faith. Uh, and I would say to you uh, there that the BSM helped me to take next steps in my relationship with Christ and kind of move into more of a leadership role uh, and into a deeper understanding of what it meant to be a follower. It also gave me an experience to see that there were college students from all over the nation that were committed to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those days, uh, we did a uh, an event in Glorietta, and there'd be close to 5,000 students from about 100 to 120 different campuses from across the U.S. who would gather for a week for a retreat. And that event affirmed to me the impact that the BSM can have on on a college student's life. It it really did change the trajectory of my life. And the BSMs where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. It really did change your life. It did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. And it yeah. continues to, to have an impact and has a special place in, in my heart. It, it's incredible to imagine for us that both on the UNT campus and the TWU campus, we have BSMs that are literally on the campus, that are surrounded mm-hmm. by the campus. And what a great opportunity we have. But at the end of the day, if we just hang out in the BSM mm-hmm. and we don't go out, uh, we've, we've missed our opportunity. And, and, the, and I appreciate the fact that you do that, that you go out, that you encourage students to do that, and that Micah does too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And also thank you for the way that you love what we do the way you champion us, the way that you do all that you can to strengthen our ministries. And I think personally, just being a pastor that invests in me well. Well, So I'm thankful for all that you do in Denton uh, and and our ministry from teaching to doing a mission trip to just caring well for our staff. So thanks so much. You're welcome. If you would like to continue this conversation, you can contact me at stephaniemgates.com. The music was created by my talented friend, Vince Romanelli. Thank you for listening.